Welcome to the Thrive Vineyard Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Kevin Kiefer. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit thrivevineyard.com. Does anybody here know who Robbie Gold is? Anybody know Robbie Gold? Wow, even some of the ladies know Robbie Gold. That's great. Do I have a... There he is right there. That is Robbie Gold. Um, a couple of years ago, I did you guys know that Robbie Gold used to live out here? Yeah. I think he lived in Kildare. What's that? Okay, in Inverness. Okay, so he lives out here. Anyway, the Starbucks that was at Deer Park Mall, I used to go to that Starbucks all the time. And that Starbucks happened to be Robbie Gold's Starbucks. And so about once a month or once every other month or so, he would walk in and I would have this like total man crush thing. And I wanted to talk to him, but I I just didn't know how to approach this guy. Well... Um, it happened that I met a guy, or I was kind of acquaintances, I'd met him a couple of times, didn't know him super well, but I happened to run into this guy, uh, he was a good friend of a friend, and I don't know, he must have been a name dropper or something, but in the short period of time that we were chatting, he happened to mention that he and Robbie Gold were really good buddies. He's like, oh yeah, man, we're close friends, I've known him forever, we golf together every Saturday. And I was like, wow, you are really close, that's pretty cool. And so then I was like, excited because I thought the next time I see Robbie, I've got an in. We have like a mutual acquaintance, right? And so I kicked around Starbucks for a couple of weeks and, you know, lo and behold, Robbie showed up and I was like, I'm going to go talk to this guy right now. So I said, Hey Robbie, uh, I'm Kevin. Great to meet you. You know, doing great for the, for the bears, you know, love you. And I said, Hey, we've got a mutual friend. And he goes, Oh, that's cool. Who is that? And I said the name of this guy and he goes, Oh yeah, he's my caddy. <laughs> It's like, dang it. <laughs> that guy totally exaggerated this story. Uh, and so I kind of felt a little bit dumb about that. But anyway, that story was kind of a, uh, you know, it was a cool story, but I discovered that it was really pretty embellished, the version that I got of it. Um, and Robbie burst my bubble there. But um, I'm going to do the same thing. And we, we had a, uh, we had a neighborhood Bible study a couple of weeks ago. Some of you guys were there and, uh, I burst our neighborhood, our neighborhood's bubble on one of the most precious stories, uh, around the Christmas story. And it's the story of the three wise men, the three Kings. And what I did is, is we myth busted, uh, the story of the three wise men. And, um, we got a lot of truth in there, but the group was kind of bummed out about it. But, uh, I, I have to tell you, I love the story of the three kings. And I, do you guys, you guys ever sing We Three Kings of Orient are? Like growing up as a Catholic kid, we sang, I loved it every year. Like, do I have the lyrics up there? Sing this with me. We three kings of Orient are bearing gifts. We traverse afar. Field and fountain, moor and mountain, following yonder star. Oh, oh. <laughs> okay. okay. All right. And cut. That's a wrap. <laughs> okay. Good job, though. I still love it. It still carries today. But here's the problem, is that those guys weren't kings at all. 
They weren't kings. They, here's what Matthew chapter 2 says. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and we have come to worship him. So these, these men were called Magi um, and what they were was they were wise men and they were advisors to kings. And so um, many kings in, in, uh, in ancient Middle East, you know, in uh, Egypt and Israel, all kinds of different places, just like today, kings would gather a cabinet of wise people around them to help them to make good decisions, to run the country well, all, all that type of things. And these men dedicated themselves to gathering wisdom, to gathering the wisdom and the knowledge of their own culture, but also of the cultures around them. And so they were not kings, but they probably knew a king. And can I get the picture of the three wise men back up here again? You can forget about um, three wise men showing up at the manger scene on camels. That uh, did not happen. They were from, these wise men were from the east. Most scholars think they were from Sheba, which is Arabia. And Back then, nobody rode on camels. Camels were pack animals. They carried stuff. They didn't carry people. And these Arabians came in on what? Arabian horses, right? So these would, they would ride in on a much more comfortable beast of burden, the horse. Um, and so the whole three kings on the back of three camels was not happening. Uh, also, by the way, um, it wasn't three kings. Uh, most, uh, the earliest documents have that, that they were at least a dozen of these wise men, uh, probably even more than that. So do you know why we think of them as th- the three kings? Yep, it just pairs nicely, doesn't it? It just is a nice, neat, tidy story that uh, matches well with the three wise men. Uh, and finally, the fact that um, we see this picture of these guys showing up at the little, you know, the, the little inn outside at the manger scene, the, the wise men, whoever many, however many there were, they didn't show up on the, on the evening or the morning of Jesus' birth. They would have come sometime between his first and second year. And so that's why Matthew chapter 2 verse 11 says this, on coming to the the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. And then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And so I'm sort of sorry, not sorry, if I burst any of your bubbles about the three wise men. But there is one thing that is absolutely true, 100% true, and that is that they were exceedingly wise. They were extremely wise. They had gathered all of the wisdom of their own culture, all of the writings of their, of their own culture, but they had also taken in the wisdom and the writings of all the nations that surrounded them. And so in spite of the fact that they were from the East, they had somehow gotten a hold of the Hebrew scriptures and they had discovered something in those Hebrew scriptures that was so remarkable to them that they dedicated their lives to finding this one treasure that they had discovered in those scriptures and then of all the of all the wisdom that they had gathered of all the wise things that they had that they had ever done what I want to suggest to you is that the wisest thing that they had ever done is to dedicate their lives to seeking after the birth of Jesus this person in Jesus and what they had done is they had clearly read the ancient Hebrew scriptures particularly this scripture which will be our scripture for today 
It's in uh, the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, and it goes like this, and I'm going to read the whole thing to you. Isaiah writes this, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Pay attention to that because we'll return to that. You, God, have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice in the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing plunder. For here it is, here it is, for to us... A child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called, say it with me, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it, um, Let's see, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. And the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. And so, having read all of these scriptures and many others about the birth of this child, um, this light birthed into darkness, they began to search diligently for this coming king, this extraordinary king. And I, I think um, possibly that, that what captured their hearts, what, what would cause them to travel mile upon mile upon mile out of their own country to a foreign land where they didn't know anybody, they didn't know exactly where they were going. I think what, what probably captured their hearts, I believe, and this is just my own speculation, was these names of Jesus. These names that he would be called Wonderful Counselor, that this king would be called Mighty God, that this king would be Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. And so Luke records, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi came from the east to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and we have come to worship him. I think it was something in those names that drew them. And for me, of all of those names, I handpicked the, t- the name today. The one that resonates with me, the one that I long for the most, is Prince of Peace. And maybe the wise men were just like me. Maybe they also longed to know the Prince of Peace because they were, after all, just men. They were men living in their own darkness. They were men who needed peace for themselves. And so they searched and they searched and they searched for Jesus. And they didn't go to find Jesus so that they could hear a great teaching. They didn't go so that they could get a selfie with God. They didn't go to post on their Insta. I was there when he was born. I don't even think they were looking for a chance to head out west for a, a little vacation, for a change in scenery. What, ma- what made these wise men wise was that they came to worship Jesus. And that is the wisest thing that anyone will ever do. They came to offer him precious gifts. And maybe they came just to get peace for themselves because they needed it. And, you know, the ironic thing about Christmas is that this may be one of the least peaceful times of our whole year. Am I right? Right? With the the barrage of parties, the gift buying, the decorating, the close proximity to extended family and in-laws. Not to mention the fact that for many of us, Christmas does not represent a time of joy. It represents a time of pain, a time of loss, a time of hurt. 
And I, I just want to acknowledge that I know there are those in this room that have experienced that. And we, we see you and Jesus sees you more than anything. And so I admit that, that peace is not baked into our Christmas experience. And it may not be baked into our regular life, our frenetic lives, our busy lives, our overly stressed lives, our under-resourced lives. It's not there. But I do want to tell you guys that peace is absolutely baked into the heart and the life and the purpose of God. And that's what makes Christmas just so beautiful. Luke records the announcement of Jesus's birth to, uh, to the, the shepherds. An angel came at night announcing the birth of Christ to these shepherds, uh, you know, watching the sheep in the fields. And Luke writes this, suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven praising God and saying glory to God in, in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Five times in the New Testament, do you know that God is called the God of peace? He is the God of peace. Jesus said, my peace I give to you. And Paul said, Jesus himself is our peace. It's Jesus. He is our peace. And so Christmas is so beautiful to me because peace showed up on Christmas morning. And we terribly lack peace. I think that we desperately need peace. And church, I want to tell you that there is a, there is a fundamental reason why humanity lacks peace. And there's an experiential reason why we lack peace. There's a fundamental reason and an experiential reason. Two weeks ago, I shared up here that I don't actually believe that the primary reason why Jesus came to earth was so that he could be a Santa Claus to us to just get us all the little goodies that we ask for on our, on our Christmas list. I think that Jesus came for much, much larger things. He came for universal things, powerful things, life-changing things for the whole world. The fundamental reason why Jesus came to earth is because of our, all of humanity's collective rejection of God, our collective rebellion, our collective just turning away from God and the trouble that that put us in that took us from life to death. It took us from being kids of God's to being separated from God. And Jesus came to reverse all of that. John Piper wrote this. He said, the reason that there is deadly conflict between man and man, human and human, at the individual, the family, the cultural, and global levels, and the reason there is conflict between man and nature, with all of its diseases and disasters and death, and the reason that there is conflict in our own hearts and minds with guilt and anxiety and shame is because of our conflict with God. All conflict in the world comes from our conflict with God and our peace will not come until that fundamental problem has been taken care of. And that's why Jesus came to earth. He came to make peace between us and God. He came to reconcile us to our Father so that we could be righteous before God. He gave us his perfection so that we could be made perfect by his birth, by his life, by his death, and by his resurrection. And in so doing that, for any one of us that put our trust in him, put our hope in him, that fundamental peace of being righteous before God is taken care of once and for all. That is what Jesus came to do. And so instead of being God's enemies, we are his beloved children. Instead of being alone in the world, 
And sometimes we feel that way. We have Emmanuel, God with us. Instead of living frustrated, anxious lives, we have entered into abundant life with Jesus. And so the war for our peace has been won. He came and he conquered. And that's what we celebrate at Christmas time. That's what we all celebrate. Light, vanquished, darkness. But, church, we still have the issue of our experienced peace. As I was sharing all these amazing things that God did, were any of you kind of going, it sounds really good, but I don't, I don't experience all that peace. I wish that I felt that peace. I wish that my daily life was marked by peace, right? And when I examine my own life, I see frustration. I see uh, fear. I see all kinds of peace busters in my life, unpeaceful things. And you see, you guys, the great war for our peace has been won forevermore for anyone, anyone that would put our faith in God. But there are still little skirmishes. There are still little battles that need to be won. And I, I, I wish that we could do with Jesus what we're going to probably do with each other in a week or so. I wish that we could just offer Jesus our heart, our life, say, this is a gift to you. It's, I'm giving you what I have. I'm giving you me. And Jesus were to put into a neat little box with a bow, peace. And from that moment on, we had the peace of God in every way, right? We never had to struggle with anxiety or anything like that. We never had to struggle with fear or sadness. But that's not how it works, Here's how it works. This is what I see happening. Back to Isaiah. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And on those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You see, you guys, we, I don't have to tell you, we still deal with darkness, don't we? Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. In other words, in our darkness, there is light. Light dawns. That's what we celebrate at Christmas time. I, I don't know about you guys, but um, when I first came to faith in Jesus, I was uh, in the army and I was headed in the total wrong direction in virtually every way you can imagine. And Upon giving my life to Christ, I entered into what I now call the honeymoon phase, uh, which is that there was this tangible uptick in my life of peace, of joy, of excitement. It was like amazing. And after several months, much of that stuff began to evaporate. Has that ever, has that happened to any of you guys? Like your initial moments with God, so exciting. And then life began to press in again and we find ourselves crying out for more peace. Like, God, where is it? I need more peace. And if we were being honest with ourselves, I would bet that we started looking for peace in the wrong places. And um, here's why we still lack peace. It has to do with the anglerfish. It does. There he is. He's cute. Right? So this is the anglerfish. This little guy lives about a mile beneath the surface of the ocean, maybe even more than that. He lives in the absolute darkest parts of the ocean. It is pitch black down there. And he lives with a whole host of other super weird fish down there. Nobody wants to be down there with this guy. 
And he's got that weird little thing sticking out of the front of his forehead. I looked it up, and I'm not even going to try to say it for you. But that thing lights up, right? And he dangles it around. It's his little lure. And you know what happens down there in the darkness? The fish are just like we are. They get drawn to the light. And so Mr. Anglerfish wiggles his little lure around and Mrs. Fish comes up looking for light in her life. And guess what happens? Jump. And that is all, that's it. It's all over for her. Why? Because it is false light. And that's what false light does, church. It looks good at first. And actually, false light provides a little bit of light for us, right? It works for a little bit, but it's false light. And when we pursue it, it eventually gobbles us up. And so what, what has been, for you guys, the false light of the anglerfish in your life? What has promised you real peace, but it hasn't been able to deliver? In our place and space in our culture in the the uh, suburbs of chicago in 2023 i think that most of us turn towards our money that is what we pursue for peace for hope for security we call it you know financial security and the problem is is that no matter how much money we have none of us have ever made enough yet to feel completely secure not one of us uh, and no matter what how much money we have bad things still happen to us and how many of you guys know that, that as easily as money can come, it can go even more easily? Has that ever happened to anyone here? Right? Money is a difficult thing. It cannot truly provide the peace that we are looking for, but we're tempted to try it. And that's what's important. And I'll be honest with you guys, it's one of the beauties of God's wisdom when he calls us to give him the first fruits of our, our, our income, our tithe. The part of the reason why he does that, it's to shape us, it's to disciple us, and it's to rescue us from that false lure that money could be our hope, that money could be our, our peace and our security. And I was thinking this week about, um, I was thinking for some reason about some of these Hollywood guys that have passed on at a young age. I've got some pictures of these guys. You know, you've got Paul Walker from the Fast and the Furious movies. You've got Patrick Swayze from all the movies when I was a kid. That's Christopher Reeve. All of those guys died young. And they had it all. They had, obviously, stunning good looks, right? They had uh, the, the fame, they had the houses, and they had money. But none of those things could protect them from um, an early demise. And yet we try over and over and over again to get more and more and more. And we know somewhere deep inside of us that that will never be security to us. Some of us, um, we, we look to stuff. We look to the accumulation of things, right? I don't know, is food and stuff a real store? Is that a real? It should be, right? Food and stuff should be a real thing because what we want, what we look to for our peace, for our security is often food and stuff we buy. And we collect things. And when it comes through Amazon, we get excited and, and we have something to be excited about and happy about. But after a couple of days, we've forgotten that piece, that thing that we bought and the peace is gone. Same thing with food. We look forward to a great meal out and we eat it and then we sort of feel buyer's remorse or the, the, the excitement of it just goes away. Those things are simply anglerfish for us. 
Um, sometimes we turn towards alcohol or other substances to make us feel peaceful. And it's just anglerfish. It will let us down. There is a, a dirty underbelly to those things. Some of us turn towards people-pleasing. We, we figure if we can somehow make everybody happy in our lives, if all of our relationships can be peaceful and good, if nobody's ever mad at me, I'll have peace. The problem with that is that it's exhausting to live that way, isn't it? It's just exhausting. It's hard to have to control everyone, to make everyone like you. It's anglerfish peace. It's false light. And I'm going to give us one more that I'm really going to step on our toes, but... Um, I believe that our own families, our kids, can be anglerfish light, false light to us. I mean, things are fine when our kids are thriving, right? If the kids are killing it at school, they're killing it in their sports, everything is going great, that's kind of what we parents live for. That's our peace. But what happens when the kids don't thrive? What happens when their lives are in a real struggle? Where is our peace then? And if you go down the tubes because your kids are going down the tubes, hey, love your children. But if your peace is so tied to them that you're a wreck, then your peace isn't in Jesus himself. You guys with me on this? Okay. So here's the thing. I want to ask you to consider your anglerfish, those false lights in your life where you turn to over and over again for peace to form your identity, to give you hope and, 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 and encouragement for your life, okay? And here's the good news, you guys. First of all, our peace can never be separated from God. And so my call to us is to put your attention on Jesus. And I love the picture of the birth of Jesus. It's such a beautiful picture. That's where peace comes from, right? So focus on Jesus. But here's the thing. Um, Jesus gave us a gift to help us with this. To g- he gave us a powerful gift to help us. Um, and I, I'm not sure if you guys recall this or not, but I, I know that, like, has anybody here sent a gift to anyone this, this year so far? Like, have you sent a gift away? I need to buy stock in Amazon because I've sent them so much of my money, right? Jesus sent us a gift to help us to experience this peace in the Holy Spirit. At the end of Jesus' life, when he was preparing to be crucified, uh, he said this, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. Which for the disciples listening to him, they're like, that's crazy. There's no way that, that, that it'll be better for us if you're gone. He said, no, it is to your advantage. It's better for you if I go. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And so Jesus sent his spirit to be our peace pipeline, you guys, so that we could experience his peace through the person of the Holy Spirit. We need to key in on the spirit. And so Paul wrote this in Romans. He said, for God's kingdom is not a matter of eating and drinking, anglerfish, right there. For God's kingdom is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of the righteousness, the peace, and the joy which the Holy Spirit gives. If you want the peace of God, ask the Spirit to pour his peace into you. And so we in this church, we are pretty interested in the Holy Spirit around here because it's the Holy Spirit that delivers all of those things that we long for that God provides for us. That's why we care so much about the Holy Spirit. And so I'm going to wrap up here. And I want to, I just want you to focus again on the kings. Or the, I did it to myself. The wise men, not even learning my own lesson. Focus on those three wise men, even though they weren't kings. 
even though they didn't get to ride camels to Bethlehem, even though uh, they, they you know, were probably a dozen or more guys, all of those things are different. The one thing I want to encourage you to do is to do what they did, to dedicate themselves to finding Jesus, to finding and worshiping Jesus. He is our peace. And I want you to look every time you're going towards something, looking for peace in that thing, whatever it is, your money, your, 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 your popularity, your job, a, a substance, any of those things, whenever you're drawn towards, can, I, can this make me feel better? I want you to do what the wise men did. And I want you to start on the journey again in that moment towards the Prince of Peace. I want you to start again in that journey towards Jesus who is your peace so that you can truly experience real peace, real light in your life. Ask yourself, is this anglerfish thinking or am I going after the real thing? Why don't we stand up? I... I um, I want to talk to you if, if you are a person who longs for peace, um, but you have not really experienced the peace of Jesus yet in your life. If you are a person that longs for peace in your life, but you don't know God very well. You don't know who he is, what he's about. You're hearing what he's about right now. And um, so for a moment... I want to invite you to seek after the Prince of Peace in your life. Um, to just take a step towards him, to invite him to be your peace. And you can find out what that means as you continue to, to follow him, just like the, the, the wise men did. But uh, this is an opportunity to experience peace in your life. And um, for the rest of us that have known God for a while, just for a moment, ask God, what am I trusting in that has let me down in the past? What am I trusting in that will let me down in the future? What is it that I put my trust in that can't hold it, that can't hold my hope, that can't hold my security? What's an anglerfish in my life? Just think about that for a second. Spirit of God, Spirit of Jesus, I, um, I pray for every person here, every heart, every person's life experience. I pray specifically for the, the unique um, ways that every person in here has put their hope in something, in accomplishment, in a degree, in a relationship working out the right way, in a person being healthy, Whatever it is, Holy Spirit, would you help us identify those false lights that will eventually gobble us up? Just touch our hearts. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are our counselor, you are our encourager, you are our healer, you are our strength. Lord, pour out 
your peace this morning. Lord, I, I pray specifically for those that are grieving in this season, that have experienced a loss of any kind. The Lord's just pouring out his care on you. The Lord sees you.